We have Sam on. Uh, Sam, welcome, first off. Thank you, thank you. I want you to start with sharing a little bit about your company. What would be a brief summary? Oh, man. Um, I would just call myself a jewelry designer. I would call uh, my company a retail company, um, but more recently I've been trying to describe it as like a jewelry design company because I feel like a retail company makes it seem like, especially nowadays, post-COVID, that I like source my stuff from outside of my business. Um, So I've always been trying to make it more clear lately that it's a handmade jewelry company um, where I source all the gemstones and metals and make everything from scratch. Especially like post-COVID, I feel like there was this big like um, surge of people starting online businesses, specifically retail, where they're just buying like in bulk things and selling them as this like curated brand, you know? So it definitely gets like handmade businesses have been getting, I think, getting very lost in the mix. And I think COVID also kind of made everyone realize a little more how local businesses yeah. and also the craft of a business. Yeah. Uh, I think more people are now focused in on the business themselves. Hey, let's support, you know, the people here and uh, local businesses and startups. You know, we see so many shutdowns in other cities uh, where businesses were lost. Yeah. And I think that... Um, you know, as awful as COVID was, obviously, I think it really just almost like shocked this like the system in a way, it, like shocked mm-hmm. everybody's um, intentionality with how they spend their money and with who they support, which is really, really good. You know, especially if you're a small business, it's not yep. so good if you're a big business right now, I think. But no. I think they'll always be fine. So it's okay. I think they have enough money. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're good. Um, now, I do want to start with a, a little fun question that I'm going to kind of continue on with. Uh, probably every show after this. So uh, I do want you to share with us uh, what your dream job was as a child. Uh, and what was like that first job that you wanted to do? Okay, so I had two. My very first dream job was to be a fashion designer, hmm. which I feel like is pretty on brand for me right now. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and then my second dream job was to open a coffee shop. Okay. So those were like my two big, I have to do this. How old were you when you thought of the coffee shop? Uh, I don't know, but way before I ever tasted coffee, (laughs) that's for sure. Um, I don't know, maybe like 10, 11. And mind you, it was also way before I had ever even been in a coffee shop. So what made you want to do that? I don't know. I just, I think that I always just thought that a coffee shop was like such a cool place that I couldn't wait to go to when I was older, you know? Even though I'd never been, I don't even know what it was. I think I just had this like romanticized idea of what a coffee shop was, and I was just like, "That's I'm gonna have one," and it was like gonna be like with a tree growing through it. Like that was my <laughs> whole thing. So were you let down by chance the first time you went to a coffee shop? No, I was so excited. <laughs> there was no tree growing through it. It's funny too because like to this day, I I think that coffee shops are one of the like coolest places, especially like local, like you know independent coffee shops i think there's just like so much uh happening in them besides coffee and i think that is like a there's no other place really like that you know i will say living in uh washington dc you hear so many cool things yeah just happening or creations or new apps that are being rolled out all in a coffee shop you can just wait in line there and then figure out all the new cool things that are up and coming uh, locally. Yeah, and it's like, I, p- I think people would argue sometimes that it's the same as like a bar, but I don't think that's true because I think a bar mm-hmm. is a lot more like 
bullshitting. Yeah. And the coffees look a lot more like, I mean, business or like, I have like, I don't know. I'm like, you have the space to be more creative. Yeah. So I don't know. I've always thought that would be cool. There's a lot of, lot of cool things that happen at coffee shops other than a Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) Probably not too many cool things happen in those little shots on Starbucks, but I'll take it. (laughs) Um, so tell us kind of, uh, more so what you where you're at with the business currently, and then we'll kind of jump right into uh, how this all came about. Yeah, um, it's funny that you said that. I had a, um, I just came from a meeting um, about a studio that I'm trying to get. Um, so right now, I like in COVID, I've had a few retail stores. I shut them all down. Um, the last one I had was in COVID, and I closed it for obvious reasons. And um, how, how far into COVID did it take? It, it, the funny thing is, is like, I didn't close it because of COVID. My lease was actually up. So it kind of worked so out I was, a little It perfect. was right before everything shut down. So it was April of 2020, like right before everything was shut down for the first time. And so when my lease was up, I was like, it's way too risky to renew it. I have no yeah. idea what's about to happen. So I was just like, I'm out before it gets bad. And it was already getting bad. People were scared to go out, you know. And so I was like, what if I just take this right now, close it, and just pivot everything to online and try to channel that instead, um, which I'm very grateful that I did do that. I was just going to ask you that. But I lost feel, a lot of money. I feel like that was a, a win-win easily yeah. that once that happened, because, what, April 2020, that was a, a lot of question marks and unknown at that time. Yeah, and um, so, yeah, then I moved everything into my dining room and I'm still there unfortunately um I told myself I'd only be working out of my home studio for a year and it's been two so um no none of us knew where everything was going anyway so this is true um so yeah I am trying to open a studio again um and so that I could have like when I say studio it's studio retail um so it'll be an, an actual space where people can come by in person again um, which I'm really excited about because I feel like that is a really big component of my brand that I've just been missing. Especially, Yeah, especially with jewelry. I feel like once they're in there, too, it gets a little more um, close connect with, you know, the customers getting to touch and try things on. Well, that's like also, too, if you, like you have a girl come in, try on, you know, a full stack of rings and they all fit her, the chances of her wanting to take them off. It's pretty slim, but when you're looking at them online, you don't know what they're going to look like and if they're going to fit you, you know. So if you're right there, yeah, if you're right there and you're like, they all fit, like it's meant to be, take them, you know. (laughs) So I think it just it just makes more sense for me, and I think that like Gypset started, um, you know, a few years ago when we opened the mobile boutique that we had, it was way more of like a. I always like to call it like a shopping experience. Hmm. Like the brand was more of an experience than it was like a, a product-based business. We were always throwing parties at like guest house and like other local businesses. And it was always just like, I never cared about selling the jewelry. I just cared about people coming and showing up and packing a bar and just being there and like celebrating nothing, you know? And we used to do that all the time. We would have an open bar tab for an hour, and then we would be selling jewelry, and we'd always obviously do well because people are coming to just hang out yeah. and, like, be part of this atmosphere, you know? And I would have, like, a girl come and do henna tattoos or a girl come and do, like, That's nail awesome. art or whatever, and, like, we would just make it, like, a fun girl's day. And um, so I've been missing that aspect of the brand because when you go online, you can't have those things. 
And did you did you start doing that from the jump? Is that kind of how it all started? Is yeah, it? I would say. Um, so I first let me think. I first opened seven years ago. Is like when we launched like our Etsy site, and then within about like two years is when I refinished the trailer and made it into the pop up. So I would say like. It's, like, from the start to everybody else, you know? For yeah. me, it was, like, two years in or whatever. We did a lot of wholesale stuff at the time, so it wasn't really, like, a retail brand like it is now. Um, and then when I got the mobile store, I was, like, I'm going to take this to music festivals, and then we're going to, like, party. Like, it was almost, like, for me, it was an excuse because I had um, – my son Maverick was, I don't know, I think one or two at the time. And so it was, like, an excuse for me to go live this life I wanted to live, you know, like, go with all my friends and, like... Have a little fun yeah, time. Yeah, and go have a weekend in, you know, Atlanta. And I'm like, but I'm working, you know? And it was, like, true. But it was, like, I've also, I also got to have that part of myself back in a way, you know? That's kind of... I mean, that's essentially kind of what I'm doing here with this. Yeah. You know, kind of look at it and say, hey, how do we help or do something that we want to do, uh, but not make it feel like it's this work 24-7... We're stuck in no fun zone. Yeah, like you're actually like doing something that you would want to do and it just so happens like someone would call it work, you know? <laughs> so how did it lead up to, you said two years in you started the um, the Mobile trailer. Store, yeah. yeah. What, hap- what was the first two years like? Um, uh, losing a lot of money. <laughs> um, uh, I got... <laughs> my bank account seized by the IRS. Whoa, I just, wow. I never paid my sales tax. I didn't know you had to pay them monthly. Um, <laughs> there's like a lot of mistakes, which I'm glad I learned them then. I think I just kind of started the business without ever like really intentionally starting a business. Yeah. Like it was just like all of a sudden I'm doing this business and I had, you know, done all the legal stuff with the state of Florida, but I didn't think I, I don't think I ever looked into what that actually meant and like what, <laughs> what that requires of me. I just was like, I'm making jewelry. It's fine. You know? So when you started that, would you say you kind of created it more on an idea and maybe like this fun thing that could also be cool and fun and I can sell, make yeah, money? Yeah, so the story is actually a little tragic, but well, <laughs> I was... Um, most stories are. I was working for a really big surf brand at the time, um, and they were based in Cocoa Beach, and I was driving out there every day, and um, I was the social media director, so it was like, you know, you can imagine like, I think I was... 22 like the best job for a 22 year old you know i was like in a bikini on the beach every single day working Wait, you got to be on the beach yeah our office was on the beach and i was just making content all day every day so look know? at that i started at a quite flight the surf shop in city walk oh really that's <laughs> when funny. i was 18 that's how i kind of started into sales oh, and that's uh, so funny. learning business on uh, essentially kind of just working there as an associate yeah started picking the brains of uh the higher ups trying to see how this shop can stay around, do so well, and be inside of CityWalk, right. where if you fail at all, they're going to take you right out. And yeah. it's still there now. Yeah, it is. Actually, just changed. Did you know that? It's so, like Billabong now or something. So Billabong actually always owned oh, Flight Flight. Oh, I didn't Flight. know that. Oh, that makes sense. If anyone, I might not be 100% accurate, so if anyone does want to fact check me out there, <laughs> but I am like 99% sure that's still accurate. You're probably uh, right. That sounds about right. Because most of the brands they carried in Quiet Flight was Billabong-related, like Roxy, Billabong. Yeah, those were, those. they got the main, uh, the main spot in the middle of the store. Yeah. And then you got your Hurley and other ones on yeah. the side. So let's kind of share the story on how you 
how this even came about? Like, how did the idea yeah. start? So, I, like I said, I was working for this company. I was doing, like, it was like, we were, they were still really small. They're an absolutely huge brand now, but they were still really small at the time. And so there was a lot of, like, grassroots um, kind of marketing that we were doing and content creation. And this was also way before, like, TikTok and before Instagram really was anything. Um, so it was a lot of DIY things and then, like, them away on social media for the brand. I just had free range to kind of do whatever I wanted. Um, so I had, like... Do, done a lot of like crafts I would say is the best way to put it and I, it was kind of like rebirthing this creative side of me that was not business related it was a lot more of like hands-on and then um I was getting married and I made all of my bridesmaid jewelry for my wedding because I couldn't afford to buy them all jewelry so I was like I'm just gonna make everybody a necklace and I did and it's better than buying anyway yeah and at the, at the time though too which is funny that 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 what you just said wasn't appreciated then I'm not saying they didn't, but I'm just saying in general, like, oh, yeah. the idea was, like, to buy something nice was better than making something nice for somebody. I think the mindset back then was definitely almost the more you spend, exactly. the better it is. Exactly. Now it's like the more you put into it or the thought, that's really at least what I believe should supersede yeah. dollar amounts because at the end of the day, money doesn't prove anything. I agree. So I did that, and then, I mean, nothing really, you know, it was just kind of whatever it is, and then... Um, shortly after I got married, I got pregnant, as the story goes, and um, my job was, um, but I had not told them I was pregnant yet, and they were um, writing up an offer letter to move me and my husband at the time to California, because to, they were moving their office to San Diego, and so we were, like, preparing to leave in, like, mid-pregnancy and just, like, start a whole new life over there. And then I told them I was pregnant, and they fired me, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, within a week. So um, that was pretty funny. Uh, I don't looking know if back that's now, legal, but. <laughs> no, It's definitely not, but it was something that I don't think that I had the mental capacity to, like, process at the time. Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, I never got to um, let them have it, as I would say. So, anyways, all I had done to that point... Um, is make jewelry like I had made a couple necklaces. So we're still in the giveaway stage. Well, kind of? for the com- for that company, but then they fired me, right? And so I, the only thing I had really done is make this jewelry for these bridesmaids, and I was still in school at UCF too, so I was still finishing my bachelor's degree, and I obviously like put that on hold immediately. And I was like, what could I do to make money right now? Because I'm not going to get a job at six months pregnant. Like, nobody's going to yeah, hire me. that's a tough one. So I was like, what if I just made jewelry and sold it at, like, markets around town? And so that's what I did. And I just signed up for every market in Orlando, which at the time there were three. <laughs> and um, I just, every three nights a week I was, like, pregnant and sitting on the side of, you know, the street down in Thornton Park <laughs> with a table at night trying to sell jewelry. And we did really, really well. Like, I remember my first market. It was, like, a Thursday night in Thornton. And it was my first market ever. And I think I made $800. And I was like, I'm a millionaire. Like, this is, like, (laughs) so many, like, I think it was, like, two full paychecks for me at the time, you know? Those first big incomes feel so much more than what they really are when you look back at it. Yeah, that's not a lot of money now. Yeah, I remember the first weekend I even worked for any sales. And I brought in, I think, $1,800 for the weekend. And at that time, I was like, well, I guess this is it. This is what I'm doing. This sounds way better than whatever I was going to do. Well, it's like you just get that moment of, like, like complete validation where you're yeah. like, oh, my gosh, people like this. Like, this is this feels so good now, you know? And, yeah, so I 
obviously then gave birth a couple months later and I was like I don't want to go back to work now like I don't want to get a job that sounds awful do you think do you think was your mindset that even before you actually had Mav that you already kind of uh, saw this being into something or were you still kind of in the on the fence of unknown yeah no I definitely was like I'm doing this now okay like I like because I hadn't finished my degree and I knew I wasn't, I, I think I knew in the back of my head I never was going to, but at the time I was telling everybody I would. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to try to take classes. And I t- then I took another semester at UCF when Maverick was a newborn, and I would bring him in the stroller and sit in the back of the class like <laughs> like crazy person. And I tried so hard to like finish my degree, but then I was just like couldn't like mentally get there. And I was just like, I just want to make jewelry. Like I just like was on this high of like, people liking it and me selling it you know and then I was just like let's see how far I can go with this how many ideas came up for the business during a UCF class oh all of them (laughs) (laughs) and what's funny is I actually got hired for the surf brand that I was working at because of a social media class at UCF like, I had to do a report, and I was taking the social media class. There was, like, 700 people in the class, and I had to do a report where we had to go and find a company's Twitter or, like, Instagram and basically redo it as if you worked there. Like, what would you do to remake to make this better? And I did it, and the way we had to publish it back then, it was on a public website, and that's how she graded it. And some, the company, I don't want to say it out loud, the company that I worked for found it. Oh, wow. And they hired me from it. Which is really funny. So, so it did come full circle. Yeah, it was really full circle. And then, obviously, I was in a bunch of, um, like, advertising and marketing classes at UCF. And the whole time I was in, like, graphic design, I was taking um, – I was getting, like, a certificate in graphic design at the time, too. And while I was doing it all, I was just working on branding for Jipset. That's, I mean, that's a good background to have starting a business because, you know, I came from the sales side of it, but sales and marketing are pretty hand-in-hand. And learning the sales side of it, I know how important the marketing side is because I know how lost I get on that aspect yeah. of it. Um, and with our business, I mean, the first thing we did, I think, was hire someone to handle marketing. Really? I'm pretty sure that yeah. was even before us hiring contractors to actually build the really? outdoor kitchens. Yeah. Uh, well, just, I think that's smart, though, because, like, if you don't do that from the beginning, you're going to be way in over your head and it's almost like hard to come back from that. And then you're just losing money because right. if you're not marketing, you're not selling. Right. And if you're building, you're spending money right. to not bring anything back in. Yeah. Um, so, where did so where did the business go from? You had Maverick. Um, where was that little takeoff moment or that full focus? Because obviously, having you know, being a mom of a, especially a newborn, yeah. uh, I only watched my sister with her little ones, and I, I was surprised when she started business. But, you know, coming from it, that's a full-time job on its own. Yeah, well, I realized, I think, very quickly that I was not cut out to be a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> like, I was like, this is just, like, I always thought that I could do it, or I, I thought that I wanted to do it. I think I could do it. Um, but at what sacrifice, you know, for, like, my mental health? I, um, I think I realized pretty quickly that it was just not something that I had passion in. And at the end of the day, if I'm not loving being a stay-at-home mom, I'm probably not going to be the best mom, you know? That's true. Um, I I realized that I was way happier if I was, like, being fulfilled in some sort of, like, creative way. Um, So I put him in daycare, like, almost immediately. I think he was, like, (laughs) barely opening his eyes, and I was like, daycare. Um, New new business hours. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And when I did that, I was like, okay, well, now I have, you know, 
40 hours a week where I have to justify spending money on daycare. So what am I going to do with that? How am I going to make that make sense? You know, that's a good point that I've never even kind of thought of, Hey, you know, if I'm covering daycare, I need money to pay right. for it and don't want to sit around doing nothing. Right. And then I, so then I started just going to a bunch of um, boutiques locally, like retail stores and bringing my jewelry and just asking if they would sell it. Like, like this is like before people had like Instagrams where it was like, we just DM them and we're like, hey, you know, yeah. do you like my jewelry? Can you sell it? Or like, there were these websites where you could buy wholesale. Like, none of that existed at the time. Um, so I was just like driving. I would drive down to Tampa, drive up to Jacksonville. I would just go any to any retail store that I thought like aligned well um, with my brand. I was just like, please sell this jewelry. Were you just going into the stores like blind, or did you have blind, like did yeah. you you didn't call them or anything no. before? You're just walking in. The very first store I walked into is the day before I gave birth to Maverick. And she said yes. She she was like, okay. And I, or it was two days before. So two days before I gave birth to Maverick, I walked in. I was like, can I sell my jewelry in your store? And she was like, yeah, we worked out a deal. And I was like, okay, I'm going to bring everything in tomorrow because I'm about to give birth. She was oh like, go for literally. it. And I brought all the jewelry in. I had Maverick. And, like, to this day, that girl, the girl who owns that store, it's Al's Attic, is, like, my absolute best friend in the world. And I still sell my jewelry in her store. Like, it's, like, the only store I sell my jewelry in still. Oh, wow. Because... So- the first one also was the longest tenure. Yeah, because I pulled out of everything because I was losing money left and right. Because I was doing, um, I started off doing wholesale. And for people who are unfamiliar with, like, that whole game, it's like, you know, if you have a retail store, you're buying things at a wholesale cost. And then the retailers are reselling them for their own profits, etc. cetera. Um, so essentially the person who's supplying the wholesale to the retailer is taking a 50% cut on their retail and um and doing most of the legwork yeah and i had i do not come from a math savvy background or financially (laughs) savvy background so i was just pricing things would whatever sounded nice in my head i wasn't actually like dissecting like the labor and the material cost and the overhead and everything i was just like 40 bucks sounds good 20 bucks for you and then never even knew if you were going in the red or green and i didn't even care because we were getting so many retail stores I think at one point we got like 120 like we had 120 accounts that i was trying to fill retail like wholesale orders for so in my mind i was rich like i was like look at all of these orders like we're so busy but i never even stopped to think about what my actual profit is on this and it was zero on every single one of them that's the that's the big factor making sure that your margins match yeah to actually be able to grow and do what you want to do well first off I actually you said 120 accounts yeah what was the hardest feedback that you ever got from a store that you walked in what was like the toughest one that just maybe gut punched you or was the, was there was sailing? one specifically it's she's local she's local here and we've re, we've uh we've had a full circle moment since then and we're we'd laugh about it now um but I honestly don't think I blame her because I don't think I was putting out good work, you know, but it was just, you know, for the time that it was, whatever it was, but I remember walking in and being like, you know, here, like, this is what I have, like, you know, this other store is carrying my stuff, this store is carrying my stuff, like, do you guys want in, like, making it seem really cool, and I remember her just looking at me, like, so point blank and being like, I don't think this is going to sell, like, this is definitely not going to sell in my store, and I remember just being like, like, what, what do you mean? So you, you banked on the, hey, everyone else is doing yeah. it, why not? 
and then she and I really only had one it. retail store at the time. I was trying to make it seem like it was bigger than it was. Hey, that, that, that's uh, pretty key in sales. Everyone out there, yeah, I think uh, that's true. Make it sound like everyone's doing it, and people like doing yeah. what other people are doing. So then, where did that take you? So you had that gut punch. How did you kind of overcome that? Because obviously, starting out and you know not knowing where it's going to grow, you get that gut punch. That's always like a a do or die moment where you kind of say, "Hey, am I jumping in the deep end or?" Uh, do I just back out of this? Yeah, and you know, it's funny because I held on to that her that sentence she said to me probably up until like a year ago when we had like our our full, our full circle moment. But it really like has stuck with me for so long. But I would say that like at the time it didn't affect me. It affected me more like recently than it did then. And I think it's because back then I was like, I don't know what I'm doing either, so it doesn't offend me that you didn't like it. You You're know? kind of like, you might be right, yeah, honestly. Like, it's probably for your best that you said <laughs> no. Um, and then I did a, uh, um, I signed up for a wholesale trade show, um, which is, again, something that was really big back then, and now everything's online. But essentially what is it? what it is is, like, in Atlanta they have these, like, giant convention centers and all these like makers and artists rent a space and they're trying to like get big brands to pick them up and like you know free people was there and urban outfitters and like all these really big stores target would come and like really big retailer stores not to say that that i never wanted to go that direction and to be in a big store but i did want some of the smaller brands to be to recognize me you know um so i went to that and then we got a lot of wholesale accounts i think that's when we like reached like the 120 mark and then it was probably very quickly after that I realized I was making no money. So what, what do you, how did that come where you said, hey, let me actually run these numbers? Um, well, I don't even know what it was. I think it was just basically like... The bank account. Yeah. <laughs> the decline on the card every time just I swiped like, it. My numbers That's are slowly weird. going down. Yeah, it was like really good for a minute, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, you have to buy all the materials and then you have to like do all the work and then you're like oh where'd that money go yeah it went away oh whoops yeah and so then that's when um uh i was actually working out of a my husband at the time had a um a construction company and so he had an extra office in his big warehouse so i had my studio in the back of the office um because we would bring maverick to work and so that way we could like this is before he was in daycare we could like figure it out but um his company was growing so he's like hey you got to get out of this office what if I bought you a trailer and we put it in the back of the office in the parking lot and we just made it like a studio. So the idea was that we were making a trailer into a studio for me and that way I had somewhere to work. Um, but then uh, very quickly because I was like, I weirdly also I drove a truck at the time. So I was just like, I can drive this anywhere I want. Like, hold (laughs) on. Yeah. And my friend came over and painted the whole thing, like, made it so pretty. Because I was never, like, going to make it anything that cool. I was just, like, put a desk in it. Let's make floors, you know, AC, do all the bare minimum. I was ask you, when did the AC kick in? Oh, well, that didn't actually come in for a while. Because it was in the winter when we built it. And then the first summer I was in there, I was like, I'm cooking in a microwave. We have to. That's got to be brutal. I feel really like the bad. metals are actually bending <laughs> on the heat alone. It was really brutal. Um yeah, so then I opened, I did the trailer, and then I think we did our first um, pop-up with the trailer in the front of the warehouse because I didn't want to drive it far because I was really nervous about people not coming. And all these, like, you know, 
very like girly girls and like all these like people coming to buy jewelry were coming to this like industrial warehouse and it was just really funny but it was a moment that I realized like people are going to show up at this weird warehouse in the middle of this like industrial district because I told them there was a trailer parked in the parking lot that has jewelry in it (laughs) and but everybody came like we like sold it out like I mean there was probably like 400 people who came through that night like I reached out to all like Orlando Weekly like all the news places and I was like this is what I'm doing like I made it like such a big deal (laughs) wait did they show up yeah and like the bungalow showed up and like all these I invited all these influencers like I was like everybody come check this out and everybody came and like it was like a really big deal like we got like picked up in like a couple like you know newspapers or what magazines and stuff and it was that moment for me I was like this is it so wait so I have to ask how did it go from I mean how many people were kind of following the business at um, that time before you invited everyone to me it was so many but it was probably like 4,000 5,000 and then, Which is a lot for back then, I think. Like, that was, to me, it was, then, like... you would have been, like, the biggest... I would have had a, che- a blue check mark, I think. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you got the certified. Yeah. So then, so, how many people showed up? I don't know. I mean, it felt like 1,000, but it was probably, like, 300. That's a good a lot. It was a lot yeah, of 300 people. 300 in a space feels like I did, like... I mean, and obviously, my trailer could only fit, like, 10 people, so it was, like... But we... I mean, I got it, like, catered. I had, like, cocktails outside. Like, I got this furniture rental company to like let me for free let me borrow all these like rugs and couches and like I made it look like it was like out of a magazine but it was like in a parking lot you know and then like I made like three or four of my friends who were just starting businesses come sell their stuff so it was like we were trying to make it like the coolest thing that ever existed and it's funny to look back at that now because it was like pretty pretty bootstrap hey but I think with businesses I think the big focus too with entrepreneurs you have to have these moments where it just feels so rough around the edges and it's obviously not the finish line and you can't assume right off the start you have to be at the finish line right so you have to make these sacrifices like an industrial parking lot with a trailer well and I, th- I think that's what's funny too is like I feel like now I feel like I keep making these comparisons but it would have been so unimpressive now well yeah time I mean times have changed yeah like, to the point with the social media back then it was i mean you had social media even before that i mean we had to like call people right exactly Uh, not everyone was even on social media back then now now i i feel like it might be weird if someone actually didn't have social media when they say they don't i'm like you're fake yeah (laughs) you're you're a (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna kill me um but yeah i don't know to me then it was like I was the most successful person in orlando in that moment like it was just like i won't i feel like i won i could have just wiped my hands and walked away like this I was like is this it. is it I, I made it, it. <laughs> so then where did that pivot to um then I was immediately like I have to book the entire calendar with events like I'm going anywhere I can so the get event me out route. of here yeah so I pulled out of every wholesale account I stopped doing all that and then how did they, how did they react to that oh people they don't care no. I mean there's obviously like I will say this that's what got for as much money as I did lose I think it all like came out in the wash. What's that saying? That's the saying, right? It came yeah, out in the wash. It was a wash. It all evened out um, because I got so many followers from it then. Um, because it's like you know, I'm selling to a boutique in Oklahoma and I'm selling to a boutique in San Diego and New York and all these places, and people in all these states are buying this jewelry with my brand on it, so they're going to be curious and go look it up. Yeah. And so I was getting all these social media followers from that. The stores. Yeah, and so I built a really good, a really strong like 
online like, like a customer resume. base. Yeah. And so what I was concerned about at the time then was just building a local base because I feel like I'd already got like a good amount of people who were buying from my website because they found me in a retail store. Because um, when I pulled out from retail stores, where else can they buy drips that yeah. have to go online now, you know? So then they were all coming to me. Um, so then I was just like, I'm going to book events and I'm just going to like drive this trailer. I had to learn how to drive it, which was a whole thing. Um, <laughs> but it was really fun. And we just, me and my friends, like I hired two of my best friends and we would just drive around to like music festivals and just hang out. Was that the, was that probably the biggest place you would take the trailers, like music festivals? Yeah, I would say like we did like Okeechobee, like probably like four, what was it, four or five years ago at this point? It was like 2018. And um, as far as, like, the volume of people, I would say that was, like, the biggest event we did. I mean, there was probably, you know, 20,000 people there. Yeah. What were you bringing in revenue at those festivals? Um, again, when I say, I'm going to say it out loud, and it, to me, I'm like, you idiot, that's nothing. But in the time, I was like, you know, um, I think at the Okeechobee Festival, we did, like, you know, I think it was Friday through Sunday, and we did, like, close to 20 grand. That's a lot. It's a lot, but I'm like, that's not, like, all profit, you yeah, know? Well, yeah. Like, our, I think to get to park the trailer there, I paid, like, 7500 so, like, that was really expensive. And so, and then it's, they gave me 10 passes um, to work, to have the trailer there. So, I traded 10 of my friends' passes for working the trailer. I made everybody take one shift a day, and I was like, you get one shift and you have to work one shift per day. It was like a four or five hour shift, and then they could go do whatever they wanted. Well, that was smart. Instead of just so throwing out ten labor. tickets to everyone else, you yeah. said, "Hey, here's my employees." Yeah. So that was really fun, and they were all my best friends. So we were all just like drinking the whole day and like you know, having so much fun. Um, but yeah, it was like I think that was like one of the best moments of my business for sure. Do you remember if that festival profited at all, or was that also back in the time where we were just? Um, I was I was a little had my eyes a little more open at the time, um, but we did profit. It wasn't significant. I think it was probably a couple grand, you know. But in my mind, it was like. And looking back now, I'm like, I don't even care if if I would have broken even on it because I had like personally like the best weekend of my life, you know. And it was like I didn't. I was making money there. Yeah. Like what? Like what? Kind, who can say that? Essentially, got in with all my friends, yeah. had a good weekend, and then still pulled profit. And like the customer base we got from there, like I still have customers who like every time they order online, we'll write like, "So glad I found you at Okeechobee in 2017 or whenever it was." And I'm like, "That's so funny." That's you know? it's always cool hearing those yeah. stories of how they even connected or when. And it was like because of the amount of people that were there. You know, we're talking like probably ten thousand people. I would say, you know at least half of them walked through the trailer at some point. Oh, wow. And, I mean, it was disgusting. <laughs> like, you could imagine the most disgusting 24 feet of aluminum can. Um, it's probably full mud on that whole disgusting. floor. disgusting, yeah. Um, but it was like every single one of those people walking through the door, I was getting feedback from every single one of them, you know? What was normally the feedback? All positive? Did you like, have any... Pri- I, liked, I always liked to know, like, prices like I always had obviously like I said before like hard times with prices you know and I don't think I ever had a concern of like people liking my stuff because I I don't know I just feel like it was like just perfectly on trend at the time like especially like a music festival yeah but it was like more so like with the prices like I was like people would like hold up a necklace that I know 
it was one of my most expensive material cost necklaces to make. And then, you know, so the price on it at the time, like, my prices were a lot lower, so the price on it was, like, $42. And a girl would be like, oh, my God, I want this, but this is way too much money. And yeah, so then I'm like... That's a younger crowd, too, so exactly. 42 to them. They just dropped probably right. most of their life savings on, on the festival event. itself. And so I think it was, like, a lot of, like, okay, like, they like the way... They like how it looks nice, but they don't want to pay that price. Well, how could I make that cheaper for me to make but still remain the same quality like it was a lot of like that kind of like figuring things out in my head like that you know did you I mean? go anywhere from there material wise or oh, was I it everything i went way the opposite of what that girl probably would want i went <laughs> <laughs> like i switched everything to um 14 karat gold fill which i feel like most people don't know what that means so i'll just like I do don't. it really quick so there's like these are like the the categories of gold i always tell people it's like the best way to, to digest it but it goes like forever 21 uh, jewelry, which is like essentially spray painted gold, like it's not even like it's just a base metal that's colored oh gold, and then it goes Pure fake. yeah, and then it goes gold plated, so like it has a very 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 small thin percent layer. I can't remember what it is of gold on top of a base metal, which is always going to rub off and turn to the base metal color, which is always like copper. So that's what turns people's skin green. And then it goes gold fill, which is what I use now, and which has like a very high coating, like a high quality coating of a thick layer of solid gold on top of a base metal. But in case of a gold fill, it has to be like sterling silver or like something Something like a quality quality. base metal, yeah. Um, But it doesn't run off and it stays like you can actually melt it. You can't melt the other item, like the other materials, with like a torch. So you can't like metal smith those things. Um, but like gold fill, you can metal smith because the gold thickness is so high that. So is that what you is that what you use now? Is that yeah, what you start? Yeah, that's what I use now. I started in like gold plated, obviously, because it's so much cheaper. Um, but then I went to metal smithing classes in 2019. It was probably right when I got back from Okeechobee. So, was like, so you went to this class after you already had the business going. Yeah, I never knew how to make jewelry. I literally taught myself everything. And then I um, went to this metalsmithing class at the Maitland Art Museum. And I was like, I want to learn how to metalsmith because I knew there was so much money in that. Like, I knew if I could get my quality up, I could charge way more money. And I yeah. could create a lot more value in my brand. And so, and there's just so much limitations when you don't know how to metalsmith. It's like, I want to make these earrings, but I don't know how to get this shape because you can't just what would you have to do order it yeah you'd have to find a supplier that has this like gold shape in the shape that you want in the size that you want how do you even google that (laughs) that's what i'm saying it's like it's so hard i was just getting so frustrated i was like i just need to learn how to make all these pieces myself that way i can just sit there and like I have this idea for this pair of earrings. Oh, let me make them, you know? Is this where maybe the profit actually started turning up now? Well, then I think yes, but mostly because I had no choice but to let it because I had to start really paying attention to my numbers at that point. Like, when I start buying gold and stuff, it's like, I can't be losing that much money, you know? Because the thing is, is, like, when I'm buying these, like, components, right, it was, like, all these pieces that I'm putting together to make jewelry – if it doesn't sell, I could take it apart and make it into something else. Oh, wow. Essentially, right? Like, if I, like, made a necklace with all these different components, I could pull them all apart and turn it into another piece of jewelry. But when you're metalsmithing, you can't do that. Like, if I made this ring, I made the ring. So tell me about it, because I have no idea how So it's basically like... Metalsmith. Yeah, it's like, um, I don't know, like kind of like welding in a way. Like, you... You have to heat metal to a certain temperature, and then you, like, put a paste to solder it together. 
Um, and you have to do like the whole sanding and polishing and all that good stuff. But it really just like allows so much more flexibility in design and in like quality, really. I mean, I know exactly what that material is because I bought it from a raw form. Yeah. Like, whereas when I'm buying something online, I'm like, they said it was gold fill. Sorry, it turned your finger green. I don't know. Oh, wow. And then obviously when you're buying it raw form, you know, hey, this is what I'm buying. And it's probably a lot less than even buying <laughs> it. Uh, already done and yeah. trying to do parts. What would you say? How much do you think you made or uh, improved in profits off of that alone? Um, I think we had our first, like, I remember I hired a, um, which, what is it called? A CPA? Yeah. Like <laughs> yep. Yeah, I hired one of those because I, again, I realized like how you're talking about with the marketing thing. I was like, I can't do this. Like, I, there's no chance that I'm going to um, not be arrested. For, um, is this before or after the IRS? Alright, yeah. so we're going to backtrack a little you bit. You want me to tell you that story? Oh yeah. Okay, I was on my way to Atlanta for that wholesale show that I was telling you about. For first time? Yeah, and I had two, oh no, I had one employee with me and we were in the car on the way. Um, like we packed up our whole truck, like we were like building out this whole space, like we had a four day weekend in Atlanta booked, hotel, everything. Mm. And I'm on my way and I... <laughs> I was going through this Starbucks drive-thru with my employee, and we both got a coffee, and obviously I was, like, going to pay for it with my business card, and it got declined, and I was like, what? Uh, uh, I was like, this is a moment of panic. I'm like, there's no way. My card just got got declined for $7. How many times did you tell her to rerun that card? About, like, five. I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And then I finally choose my personal card, and then I was like, maybe it's because, like, they were like, why are you at Starbucks? I don't know. I was just like, maybe it was just, like, they thought it was fraudulent. Yeah. And then I opened my bank account, and it was, like, negative $12,000. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> How bad did you freak out? Wait, did you even, you still went to the show, right? Uh, yeah, I was on my way. You are like, I have to make yeah. $12,000 back at least. I think I least. called uh, my husband at the time. I called him, and I was like, I need, like, $5,000 from your business account, like, right now. And then I'll give it back to you on Monday. And I was mm. like, I literally am, like, I'm going, I can't, what do I do? So how did you find out? It was the IRS and how they did it. I called the bank. I called, I had like Bank of America and I called them and I was like, hey, um, there's something wrong with my account. Like there's like, I couldn't even load my transactions. Like it was frozen. Completely yeah. locked. And I called them and they were like, okay, let me look into it. And they're like, what's your, you know, account information? And they pulled it up and they're like, oh, um, and I could tell just by her tone of voice, like she was getting like really quiet and like awkward. Like she didn't want to tell mm, me. She was, I was nervous. like, what? <laughs> she was like, yeah, it's the, um, it wasn't the IRS. It was the. Department of Revenue, the Florida Department of Revenue. And she goes, yeah, it looks like there's a hold on your account with the Florida Department of Revenue. And I was like, what? You're like, who's that? (laughs) What do they want? And so I called them and they were like, they were basically like, you have to pay your sales tax. And I was like, you weren't even paying sales tax. That's what it was. I wasn't paying sales tax at all. I never submitted one penny to them because I thought you did it at the end of the year different tax just like your normal taxes <laughs> like in my mind because again like i started this business business with zero like knowledge or research i was just like here i am making jewelry Ta-da. and um they were like no you have to submit it every month and i was like oh okay so it was like 18 months of sales tax i never submitted wow and, and so, so and so where did that go did you you obviously had to pay it or did you were you oh, just told them the hole right off the bat oh, i had to pay it yeah i was i think they put me on like a payment plan they made, I think they made me pay like three grand or something to 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 get my account, my bank account back. Frozen. Yeah, and then they gave me all my money that I had in my account back, thankfully. 
Um, so they're like, okay, hey, here's your money back. Here's pay us $3,000, get your money back. And then we have to go on a payment plan. And so I did that. And then literally like I got home and I hired a CPA immediately. I was so, like, fix me. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> so was that kind of the moment? I feel like, I mean, that same moment when you start paying taxes, it almost gives you that, Hey, I, I am a real business now. I'm paying yeah, the damn state and country to support my business by paying you guys. So here I am. I'm real now. Yeah. I think that was like a very, you're right. I think it was like a very like eye opening moment of being like, okay, like if I like, you know, fail, it's like, or if I am not making money, other people are still depending on me to give them money. <laughs> yep. You know, I'm like, yeah. well, this is just took a turn. <laughs> the fun time is it's yeah. the government. <laughs> so then, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I hired a CPA and changed, literally changed my life because she was able to give me like, you know, monthly uh, profit and loss statements and like, like I was a real business and like tell me when I was making money and tell me when I wasn't and like guided me into like, you know, some de- some decisions before I made them, like opening a studio or, or like, you know, whatever. So. How how bad was it when she got to go through the book? It wasn't as bad as I, I think that I expected. Like, she was basically just like, okay, like, just can't. You can never do that again. Like, they don't play around. And they're not, they're going to give you grace this one time, you know. Because they could have charged me, I think, like, an exorbitant amount of fees. Yep. Of, like, from because Penalties I messed up so bad. Yeah. yeah. But she was able to, like, talk them off the ledge and get them to, like, you know, give me just a let you breathe yeah and like just kind of scold me for a minute and tell me I was the worst and then they were fine but um yeah it definitely made me realize like I needed to get my shit together a little bit so and how far in was this into starting Uh, up from the trailer like two years yeah it's like two years okay so then a year and a half from there because that that was the same time as that first big show yeah did you get picked up in the show not by anyone super big, but we got picked up by a store in Disney Springs, which was nice. Well, um, they're still big. there Disney now. Alone. Yeah, so they're. Want to give a shout out to the store? Yeah, or? it was American Thread. So I think they're. A, I think they're like a, a big. They're not a small boutique, so they're like a, a free people or whatever. Like they're like a chain, you know. If you're in Disney Springs, yeah, yeah that's pretty are. big because uh, there's like a qualifier to be right. in Disney Springs. Yeah, it's a big deal. But so we got. In, an account with them which was really nice and I was able to do like some like in-store like kind of cool stuff like installations um everything else was pretty just like mom and pop you know yeah pretty, did, pretty small. were you making all of the jewelry yourself yeah <laughs> I mean I had one girl who worked for me she worked at a restaurant down the street she would come over before her shift and she would come over after her shift and just sit there and make jewelry with me oh my gosh yeah, yeah that, the, how everything starts and trying to figure out how to get those steps going so you were selling to a store and also personally website and everything. How are you making all, like, how many items were you selling? Um, our wholesale minimums were pretty low because I wanted to be able to meet them. To grow. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. We were, like, we are making a lot. We were probably making, like, a 1,000 pieces of jewelry a week, what? I would probably say. Yeah. How long does one item take to make? Well, back then, not that long because we weren't metalsmithing. Okay. But now that I metalsmith everything, it's just like, you know, it takes a lot longer. There's just a lot. I wouldn't say it takes, well, it does take longer, but there's just so many more process, steps in the process. Are you going to, when, uh, so you, you were selling how many before, back then? Items per month, would you say? Per month? I don't know. I don't, man, I don't know. We were doing like, 
probably like four or five hundred pieces online a month and then depending on their events we would be doing like another thousand couple thousand pieces a month what are you at now is it more or less or is the <laughs> dollar amount just gone the out? dollar amounts it's it's higher price items but less items yeah do you know what i mean um but i say that but i think i'm like it's it's definitely like i took like a weird turn uh in 2020 okay. it was just like not i think a lot of businesses do go through this but i think i just wasn't expecting it i think that i was growing so fast and so like big at one point that i just thought that there was never going to be a ceiling and it would always be like that and i was just gonna like um you know be unstoppable in three years and then watch out and then i could just like walk away and be like i'm a millionaire just hire i'll yeah. hire 100 people everything will just um, work for me that didn't happen <laughs> so uh, it was just kind of like the opposite where things started taking like a huge decline. And I, I, I think I, cre- I credit a lot of it to my, like I was going through a lot per- in my personal life at the time. I was going through a divorce and like all these other things. And so I think that like I was just mentally not in it anymore. And um, so of course, if you're not in something, you're, yeah, not, you're never going to, yeah, too. you're not going to give your best self to that, to your brand. So um, I'm coming out of that now. I can like feel it for myself, which I am like, it's Good. like an energy I really needed for a long time. But, um, so like our sales right now are really, really good. Like I'm like, you know, really happy with where we're at now, but like, it's been like the last 18 months of being like, should I close? Like, this is really bad. Would, is that so essentially what you closed the trailer in April of COVID or the, no, that was our retail store. We the had retail store. in hourglass. Yeah. The trailer haven't really ran since 2019. So then with the store, how far after were you kind of feeling like you were kind of going out with all the situation, the divorce? We had a really good push when I closed the store of like, because it was, that's when COVID shut everything down and it was like everybody was shopping small, you know? So we had probably like the best six months online I've ever had in my life. Like I, it was, I mean, really great. Were you backed up? Like back order um, or delays or you know I was I was in this space where I was just making jewelry so much like I was like usually I'll get like burnt out and then so then I get delayed and like backed up but I was in the space where I was like just like thriving and I was like living for it you know I was like this is so great this is what I needed and so I would stay up to like you know one or two o'clock in the morning just making jewelry so I was like making sure yeah making sure nothing was going to be delayed like this is going to be all on time and um so that was like a really good time and then i would say like after like i'm not saying it's like not i know it's not gone but like after the covid like bubble kind of popped a little bit and people kind of like calmed down a little bit um i was just like oh shit (laughs) how how hard of a drop-off was that it was that it was a combination of the drop-off and me like moving into my own space for the, my first time in my life it was like a, it was a combination of me like starting kind of like a new life and sales dropping at the same time and I was like this just couldn't be worse timing you know did that so that sales drop off getting a little personal was that similar to kind of when the divorce was happening yeah it was like I was moving out on my own for the first time you know in 10 years and I was trying to figure out it's like you know being a single mom and like co-parenting and supporting myself for the first time on my own in 10 years and a lot of pressure yeah and I think I just like didn't care like I wasn't putting I know I wasn't putting out good work I was like had terrible customer service I was putting out terrible work kind of quantity over quality yeah I was really just like 
what could I sell right now that's going to pay my phone bill, you know? And, like, that's all I cared about. I didn't care about anything else. It was just, like... How long did that go on for, that uh, phase? Oh, I think it's still trickling into my life. Like, it's, (laughs) like... I mean, not the quality and, like, all that. I hired a... um, I had a, a she's like a she was a customer of mine, but it was just someone I would always like run into at the coffee shop. Um, our kids go to school together, but we were never really friends. She reached out to me when all that was happening and was like, "Hey, like, can we get coffee? I want to just like pick your brain on something." And I'm like, "Okay." And we got coffee, and she like basically pitched herself to work for me, and you. I was in no shape or form like in in the market to be paying somebody. You know, like I was trying to support myself at this time. I was like, how am I going to pay my bills? You know, but I said yes to her because she just was like, I can help you on like everything on the back end. Like that's what she wanted to do. And I've never had anybody on my team like that. Every, everybody I've ever had on my team was in production. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, what would it look like if somebody was managing my DMs and like doing customer service and like basically like cleaning up my shit the customer yeah work and all yeah. that yeah and so i hired her and she still works for me today um and she i always tell her this like not to be dramatic but i'm like you saved my life like i think she saved my business oh, like wow. in some sort of way because i think that i would have let just like anxiety and like what was me and like just like the shit you. that i was going through completely drown me like i know i would have let that happen so was her coming on kind of um uh, taking off weight on your shoulders, which got you to find kind of that passion again? Yeah, and it wasn't even just, like, I had the time to do the work that she was doing. It it wasn't even about that to me. It was, like, I didn't have the energy for it, or I didn't care enough. And so it was, like, if I'm – I had to, like, really, like, realize one day, I'm, like, if I'm paying her to basically, like, save my brand in some way, what am I doing, you know? Like, how am I contributing to that? Because if she's doing that, I still didn't have to act on that afterwards. Like, it doesn't end there. It, it only just begins for me to then, like, prove it to people, right? Like, prove why she said that. Why she said that, like, I'm going to, you know, we're so sorry about this. This is going to be better. Like, did, So do you think not only did it help take weight off your sh- shoulders, but it also kind of pushed you to get back to the quality yeah. and everything? Like she was, it was basically off. just like, wake up, Sam. Like, can't be like this. Like, you cannot do this. You Customers know? are... Yeah. messaging us yeah. we gotta get on it like I remember one time she went through my DMs and I was like I think I was like sitting there crying and I was like oh my gosh like I'm, I feel like I'm so screwed like our sales have been so bad and like I feel like there's nothing I can do to get them up and like I was just having this moment of like straight panic and she was just like okay and then she, you know she like talked me down the ledge or whatever and then I remember that night she was going through all of our DMs, which I had been avoiding for probably a month. Like, I was just like, I'm not opening any of them because I was really, like, fragile to feedback at the time. Yeah, like, I didn't want anybody on. to know to tell me anything bad. Like, I didn't want someone to tell me that a necklace broke or that my customer service was terrible or anything, even though it was all very fair. Like, yeah. that was all fair for someone to say. I just didn't want to hear it. I wasn't, like, prepared for it. She went through all of our DMs, like, cleared out everything, apologized to anyone that needed to apologize to, et cetera, or whatever. And there was, like... 12 dms of people wanting to buy something that like I, they just needed like a question answered on first oh so they're just getting like ignored right for, like, she's like sam things. there's so much money sitting here that you're just avoiding wow. like for all the bad things that you're avoiding because you don't want to hear that amy's necklace broke you're you know there's 12 customers that you just i just invoice every single one of them for and it's like over two grand and i'm like whoops <laughs> it was like a moment like that where i was like 
Did that I bring you back that. into the passion? Yeah, I think I was like, I have to get, like, I just had to get myself out of that. And, like, obviously, like, a lot of therapy helped. Um, but it was just, like, I had to find, like, a reason again. And because I felt like everything just kind of died. Like, I, don't get me wrong. Like, I was, like, very happy with my decision, like, into, like, the single life that I chose. And, like, really, like, grateful that I was, like, you know, able to make that decision for myself or whatever. But it was just, like, uh I just had zero passion for anything creative. It takes, with a business, we can, you know, a lot of people think businesses are this robot machine, but at the end of the day, we're still human, going through a divorce, yeah. a baby. There's a lot to heal and deal with. Um, when you're doing something like a business where you're passionate about it, it's easy for outside or other situations in real life happening to affect that passion, which only makes everything worse on the business side. Right, and I think that's something I had to learn was that, like, I have to be able to, like, in some way separate or, like, put, like, some sort of a boundary up between, like, how I'm feeling and, like, my personal, like, situation with, like, how I'm handling my business, you know? Like, I can't be, like, what was me? Like, feel bad for me. No, but no one will ever feel bad no. in uh, that business world because no. they, don't, they don't even know who you well, really are, right? You're just a face in the hands There's a million them. other yeah. companies that they could go buy jewelry from. You know that, what I mean? Yeah. That don't have a sob story today. Yeah. Like, you can't really, like, can't share it with them because as much as they might say, oh, you know, I feel your pain, yeah. but I'm not going to spend money there. Right. Uh, and then you take that hit. So then where are we at now kind of with the business? Yeah, so we've uh, made a pretty big turn, which I'm very, very, very grateful for. Um, and Brooke still is working with for me today. I've been really trying to, like, streamline um, – you know, just how we run the business the as process. a brand. Yeah. And, uh, cause I never had a process. I was always just like winging it. A little always. free spirit yeah. over there you are. I know that. <laughs> need to be tamed. Um, but so she was very like, this is not right. This is right. This is how we, you know, and very like giving me like this, like a guideline to like how things have worked for brands that she's worked for before. So that's been really helpful. And I think it's gotten me to a point lately where I feel like comfortable growing again, um, cause like, again, there was like a lot, a long part of, you know, 2020 up until last year where I didn't even want to be seen. Like I was like, I don't want anyone to see me, you know, like don't even, I guess that worked from home though. Kind of, yeah, it definitely helped, helped which is why bit. I stayed there for so long. But now I feel like I'm at this point where I'm like, I'm proud of my work again. And I'm like really like proud with what we're doing as a brand and what we're standing for and like what we're becoming. And so now I'm like, I feel very ready to like grow again yeah and I want to hire a metalsmith um to come and work on the weekends there so that I could have not just me metalsmithing because like that's where like I get sucked onto the bench just firing jewelry and soldering that I don't get any creative time and that's when I start getting like really frustrated I was gonna say with that the humans that are on the more creative side I feel like that's not where my strength is but uh obviously you want to do the work and everything but yeah only doing the uh, smithing then you obviously aren't able to have time to design right and then you also have a son that you have to yeah take care of this human yeah so i'm hoping that uh that'll happen he goes back to school in august and then i'm like if all goes which is what i think is going to happen because i can like feel it coming to me in the universe um i think that i'll be opening a studio again when he goes back to school in august and it'll be oh, next month yeah and it'll be a retail store too so it'll be a really nice 
new path for me of something that I've done before, which is what I'm like, I feel so comfortable doing it, you know? And I feel just like I can do, I'm ready again. Do they have a parking space or parking lot so you could actually bring the trailer for the grand I opening? I want, I want that thing to burn to the ground. Oh, my God. It's, it's a trophy. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> always asks me to do a pop-up with it again. I'm like, never. Oh. There's just so much. Like I, just, I could talk about it for like a week, but it's just like, I mean, there's so much stuff that went wrong with that thing. <laughs> so it sounds like anyone out there starting something... Uh, you have a trailer that you guys yeah. can DM her about. I'm and, trying uh, to get rid of it. Make a purchase of cheap. maybe a dollar, a couple of jewelry pieces. If you buy a set, then yeah. you might get the trailer thrown in. You might, yeah, before <laughs> I drive it off a cliff. So hurry up. So does so you have Amy? Uh, Brooke, yeah, Brooke. she does the yeah, back end stuff. Amy was the fake character. Yeah, that's my fake customer. So yeah, it's right now. It's just Brooke. I have a girl um, who like in and out will help me in production. Um, she comes like in like high. You know, volume seasons, um, but yeah, just it's just hard when you're working from home to have employees there, there, especially when Maverick's out of school for the summer. I'm like, this feels weird. Well, yeah, just having all the girls at a yeah. table. And he's like in my dining room. He's just, <laughs> it's just like it's too much like of like work interfering with my home life, and I I've been trying really hard to like create more of a boundary with that for Maverick so that he doesn't feel like I'm always working. I was going to say, I feel like that's such a hard thing to separate. Working at home, like I had to work from home for a little bit with COVID, yeah. and I couldn't separate home and work at all. It right. was just like this one big blur mesh. And you're always working. And, then, and that was that's just with a dog. <laughs> yeah. You had a, a grown human wanting yeah. off. Yeah, and I'm like, I'll work until, you know five in the morning like oh I have to talk stop myself from working so it's definitely something that like that's a big reason why I want a studio again so it's like I drop him off of school I go to the studio and then I pick him up from after school at six and my day is done I think it's important too though obviously with that grind probably wouldn't be where you're at if you didn't have that passion to feel like hey if I need to get something done I'll work till 5 a.m. yeah Uh, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs uh, hit a roadblock when it starts feeling like they're losing that fun or their life because this business is taking a lot of time. Yeah. But it's one of those things you almost have to, if you want it to be successful, you have to push through that, understand that there's going to be a phase where you might not have much of a life, right. but it's That's kind of part of it. And it's like, I always tell this to people too, and it's like, that is, it's it's like a, a cycle, right? It's not like you're going to hustle for the first six months and then coast that's what we all think though right yeah but it's like it's like a it's like like a wave of hustle then chill hustle chill like that's how it always has been for me and like just watching my friends or whatever too like owning businesses i'm like just be like in this it's the same with um you know your success right it's like i think that you think that because you got to some point you're going to continue to get you're going to grow that fast again but more that's the quickest way to fail right and it's like that i recently started to like actually realize that I'm like that's not true at all like I think I just like I think I needed a reality check of being like like not to sound like I thought this way about myself but looking back I think I did think that about myself that I was just like hot shit and I was like nobody could touch me no other jewelry company could touch me didn't matter I'm not saying my quality didn't matter but at the end of the day it really didn't like our demand was so high and so many people were coming out to our events and stuff that it just didn't matter we were going to sell no matter what. Did you, know? you get any bad feedback where 
that was like, oh yeah, hey, we're not getting repeat customers. How do you really yeah. know? Oh, I just I I know when people are returning or like uh, requesting repairs a lot, and like I'm getting like you know, and it and it's just like it's one of those things like when you're a handmade business, it's gonna happen, right? Yeah, or you're for gonna sure. like I bought a spool chain. I'll never forget this for like a huge event. I was you know making jewelry for it, and I bought a spool of a hundred feet of chain, which is a lot of chain, and it was. I think almost a thousand dollars or something crazy. Like it was like really expensive for the spool of chain, right? Wow. And I made, you know, however many pieces of jewelry that made, I made out of the spool of chain. And then I started having customers come back to me like, hey, this the chain turned black like within a day. And I was like, What? Like I've used this before. What do you mean? And then next thing you know, none of the bam, customers, bam, another bam, customer, bam, it was bam. like a hundred customers within twenty four hours of just like I literally took my necklace home and it turned black. So then I had to call the manufacturer, and like they sent me some bad spool of gold chain. Then it was just like they didn't know either. What, so then what happened? Well, they gave me a reimbursement of the spool of chain, but then I had to fix every single person's necklace, you know? But it's just things like that. It's like I could never have expected that to happen yeah. or even like prevented it because I'm buying from the top gold supplier, and they sent me a bad spool of chain. And, and that's I, just life. I, yeah, I think that's a, a big part of the business life is you – you almost have to expect that there's shit's gonna go sideways yeah. over and over. Yeah. Nothing's smooth. Everything you think you can count on to go smooth, you'll probably get a, at least a, a couple speed bumps yeah. for sure. What would you say your biggest, um, or your toughest situation was? Like the hardest one that you maybe really freaked out, like while the business was up and running. That's a good question. Thanks. I don't think there's like a specific moment. I mean, obviously, like you know, some of the stuff that happened back in the day with like the taxes and stuff like that. That was t- very like big to me then. And looking back now, I'm like that was real bad. And, like, what were you doing, yeah. Sam? You know, like you don't mess around with stuff like that now. Um, but I mean, there's just been like you know, there's been moments where I'm like I couldn't pay an employee, and I'm like, oh shit, or I couldn't pay rent or something. You know, where I'm like this is really bad like what am I doing like what do I think I'm doing and there's like you go into this like full like self-deprecating right where you're like why do I think that I can even make a go at this like who do you think you are like you can't do this like look you're cutting it this close like how are you cutting it this close and so like you go into this full cycle of like you're not you can't do this hit zero multiple times and be like uh I think we might have to pivot completely away from yeah like close yeah (laughs) like we'll never do this business again. Right. And I think it's just like, if there's anything that I think that is like something that I value more in me than I've ever valued in, in myself ever is that like, I think I do the best work and the be- and make the best decisions when I am like under the most pressure. I would, I would agree. Like I I'm like when, when shit hits the fan, yeah. you gotta clean that fan real right. fast. I'm like, what am I going to do? I can't, I'm, this isn't my life. This is not how it's going to happen. I'm like, how do I make, how do I come out of this immediately? And I'm like, immediately I'm like, okay, I could do this, these things, you know, to make this money or I can do this to get out of that. Or it's like, I'm immediately like problem solving. But it's funny too. Cause it's like, I could have been doing this this entire time. But it, it takes a situation yeah. to figure out what reaction you're going to have right. to be able to do it. Yeah. So, I obviously think we're going to have a, a part two of this. Oh, but yeah, I, this is real long. I'm yeah, sorry. No, 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 no. This is, uh, I think, the whole part of the podcast is to make sure value is being built. Yeah. Uh, the time frame is kind of irrelevant yeah. as long as we're discussing things that are going to help others out there, um, whether they're going to do their own business or really just kind of hear how the journey is because 
it's it is a journey it's a journey it's a never-ending journey and i don't think people really realize that in the beginning it's yeah i think the biggest reason why i did this podcast is i feel like every business has some crazy stories filled with you know happy moments but there's way more problems issues uh slaps in the face brick walls that we go through that no one really knows about until you personally talk to them which is probably only your group of friends yeah uh and a lot of people don't know what goes into these businesses and i think it's almost in a sense uh society just kind of made this disrespect to local entrepreneurs and local businesses because no one really knows what that journey entails yeah Uh, people won't appreciate something without knowing the background of it and i think that that like just to piggyback off of that is really important to to communicate in a brand like i've learned that i've always tried to be like tell stories with my brand but something that i've learned recently is like if you like can even just tell like a very small glimpse of 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 your story of your why or your um even some of your like passion for your brand into your brand i think that it's just like it makes people realize again what what it is you're actually doing and like how it actually is really hard yep. and how it actually is like not just I'm buying this necklace from you and that's it and it's so easy to not pay attention to the deeper parts of it right it's like as a consumer it's like I'm here to buy this I'm gonna buy it I'm gonna walk away but it's like if you offer them you know a little window into your journey most of the time they'll want to look at it you know i think humans as much as there's a lot of bad humans out there i think deep down all the good humans love to hear other people's stories because i think with social media nowadays and everyone thinks everyone else's lives are these perfect uh perfect bubbles and situations when someone actually tells you a real story of how they got through it the battle tested all of a sudden it i think it takes us back to that human soul where we're like wow they're you know they're dealing with stuff too their life isn't perfect it might look perfect from this outside this business is awesome uh but hearing it makes you seem more real to everyone people i think people respect and appreciate realness yeah Uh, and these stories are obviously filled with plenty of realness yeah (laughs) Uh, from the divorces the babies uh closings trailers i mean it's a it's a journey that most don't ever want to endeavor. Uh, I don't look, looking back. I don't ever want to do that again. Yeah, all, I think all of us look back and yeah. say, "Wow, I, uh, if I probably went back, I don't know if I would have done it. If yeah. I knew all of it that it would have taken." I took, might have taken a nine to five. I'll be honest. <laughs> Put me in a cubicle, yeah. please. <laughs> uh, but it's one of those things that I feel like working in a cubicle it doesn't give you that fulfillment of life, right? Um, especially when the only thing you could really get fulfilled on is things outside of work and I think what's cool about owning a business or having something you started up it, work is still also something that's fulfilling you yeah and then you can essentially just make your whole life be about what fulfills you what lets you be who you are what yeah. you're passionate about and let you really uh, be yourself yeah no I think that is really important I, I realized that the other day too I was like I was looking into like get, doing a hobby of some sort that wasn't jewelry um and so I started back into like ceramics I used to do it a long time ago but I started going back to a ceramic studio and like throwing on the wheel and then I was like talking to everybody there and they were like I just needed like something that fulfilled me after I got out of work and it was like I had the very realization of like what you just said and I was like 
oh, that's not why I do this at all. Like, I'm very fulfilled during the day. And, like, yeah. that is so lucky. Like, I don't think a lot of people can say that. Did you, when you were doing that, were you like, I want to go back and make jewelry right now? No, I was so happy to be there. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like I was, you know, it's like I'm walking away from the stress. Yeah. That's to me what it is. It's not that I'm not being fulfilled. It's that, like I'm not having to deal with the stress of it. Because it's a business too, right? Yep. It's not just a creative fulfillment. It's, you know, it's something that is pretty demanding business-wise. So when I'm now in the pottery studio, I'm like, oh, nothing matters, you know? That's, this is it. That's why I would just go skydiving every once a week. Oh, if I I could, I've never done to, that, but I would love to. I could imagine the feeling. Reality. I can imagine <laughs> the feeling it gives you in, like, your, I don't know, your chest or something that would just, like, take everything out of you. I'm not going to lie. I think skydiving is the most free I've ever felt because really? you have nothing to stress about because, let's be real, whatever happens bad at that yeah. point is it's probably going to end everything anyway. Yeah. But all those little stresses about payments or business, none of that even comes through your head. You're just living in that one moment of, I'm falling from the sky. That's it. And like how often and are zero you, control. And how often, right. And how often are people actually like fully 100% living in, the, in a full moment with zero control over what's happening outside of that moment? No, never. I, think that, I was going to say, I think nowadays especially i don't think anyone has a second of that no it's gone that's so true a skydiving i think is the cure guys uh, i think it is <laughs> i'm gonna have to have a skydiving uh group on the podcast and get them to give us some referrals <laughs> there you go man oh now i want to go skydiving all right well we're gonna wrap this up uh thanks for everyone for listening sam thank you give a shout out to your instagram your website yeah, it's on Instagram is Gypset Co. So it's G Y P S E T C O. And then our website is gypsetcollective.com. And that is where you will find us. And hopefully, I'll have an announcement soon on a studio. Boom. <laughs>